Drink pisco like it's your birthday. Yeah. <laughs> Gonna acholada like it's my birthday. Gonna get cabrata like it's my birthday. Hello and welcome to the 551 podcast. My name is Wes Burdine. This is the podcast where we talk about <laughs> soccer sometimes. I am joined by Mark Fangmeyer, Corey Schreppel, and Mr. Birthday Boy, Rodrigo Sanchez Cheveria. Congratulations on your birthday. You are another year older. Um, you feeling good, Rodrigo? I'm feeling great. Great. Um, I, I, want, I, want, I want to receive all the memos and all the thank yous for all the people that we're at Allianz this weekend because it was because it's my birthday weekend that we won. So therefore, you know, there you go. You owe me. What's, what's your Venmo in case someone wants to uh, tip you? It's a good question. I'm not very good at these. Cool. Type of things, Great. Um, let's talk about uh, soccer. <laughs> We've got the show notes. We've got the good, the bad, and the weird. We'll start with, then we will talk about Minnesota United beating uh, not just Madison. This was a, uh, we had a whole week where it was basically the um, Scott Walker destroyed our chance at having high speed rail to have this derby derby um, with Madison. Cause Scott, we could have had, Oh, you're looking at me weird. We could have had high speed rail to Madison and Chicago, but Scott Walker killed it. It was like, here's free money. Let's do this. And he was like, no, 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 no. I need to be a wanker. <clears throat> anyway. So we played Madison this week. Just follow, get in my brain and follow me along, Corey. Um, we played so Madison this, this week. Is, it's like jazz. I'm I'm the drummer. I just follow. I yep, just follow. Just, just the, lay that down. Lay list. that down. You know. Um, and then we played Chicago Fire. Beat them three nothing. Let's talk first about the good. This is the U.S. Women's National Team drew their group, which is in the uh, Concacaf uh, Championship Group. So Group A. This is how they qualify for the champ. Not champions for the World Cup next year. The top two teams from each group are going to go through. The group is Mexico, Haiti, and Jamaica. Um, so sorry, Haiti and Jamaica, but you're probably not going to make it uh, next year. It's a pretty rough group for uh, for Haiti and Jamaica to pull. Um, but the winners of the tournament also directly qualify for the 2024 Olympics. Um, the other good thing is that this week, Wednesday, 9.30 p.m. Central, that's not the good part, uh, Sounders are playing Pumas in the Champions League final. And um, I don't know. I can't tell if I'm cheering against Sounders in this one. But, but Marshawn Lynch told told you not to. Don't you like Marshawn Lynch? No, I don't. I don't know who he is. So thank you. Oh, um, uh, he, uh, he's the guy that uh, Seattle didn't give the ball to uh, to not win the Super Bowl. Um, always run it with Marshawn. Or, yeah, yeah, Seahawks. Uh, there was a great ad. We were just watching it. Um, uh, Seattle was trying to promote the. Um, or was it was it Seattle? Or was it the was it MLS that? No, it was Seattle. It? Yeah, it was Seattle. Uh, Marshawn Lynch. Uh, has a delightful uh, commercial uh, promoting the May 4th home Seattle match. Um, he's he's delightful. He's super entertaining. Um, I could just watch him talk at people for like an hour. Like uh, this podcast. That, not we, only that, we are Marshawn Lynch. Yeah, not only that, but he's also either an investor or, or a part owner of the Oakland Roots. So there you go. Is he yeah. really? 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. Um, the bad this week is, uh, speaking of the Sounders, they played San Jose, and um, they were definitely um, coasting their way to this Champions League final, and they lost 4-3 to three to San Jose, who just fired uh, Almeida, the beautiful. We lost two very attractive coaches this week with Hernan Losada and uh, um, Almeida. I know. So it's... MLS hotness factor went down quite a bit this week, but San Jose, thankfully, is still batshit crazy. This was um, what we call a a Calvo hat trick where he um, was responsible for giving up three goals. And then, I don't know, it's an extra above a, a hat trick because he then got the penalty, drew the penalty to win in stoppage time. What gives me joy about this is that, um, I've had beef with Calvo for a long time, and there were a lot of Loons fans who were like, oh, yeah, Wes, you suck. Um, and then turns out I was right, guys. I was right on this one. <laughs> I, I was the one who said Calvo is terrible, and you guys aren't listening. And uh, even those fans, I'm pretty sure even the, those fans who hate me are like, yeah, Calvo sucks. But um, you also heard, like, I listened to Extra Time Radio in part because I wanted to hear what they said about Calvo because I know that Matt Doyle is done with Calvo. Yeah. The, during during that Seattle match, literally the, the only thing that he was tweeting was just Calvo dunks the entire the entire right. match. It yeah, was great. So, he, he like threaded it. So I texted him. I was like, "Dude, I cannot believe that this guy has been like at three of the worst defenses in the league, and no one is like, hmm, maybe it's Calvo. I don't. It's like, what was it the Doyle tweet? He like mentioned like something like that. Like it's amazing how much Minnesota and Chicago's defenses improved after he left." How is he still a starting center back? In yeah, this it's amazing how my texts end up in his tweets. That's how this. That's, that's basically how the fifty-five-one uh, Patreon Slack uh, is, his, is just you're, is you're, just uh, soundboarding, and then it ends up in my tweets. And you're uh, his, you're his ghostwriter. Yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it Calvos is just terrible, and it's just amazing to watch. Although I I get the sense from uh, from listening to Doyle on ETR that. Um, that he's pretty done with with Calvo and me. I'm still enjoying it. He needs to find his way um, I mean, somewhere. I, I don't know where would be where he could go that would be better than this. Um, but why would and, we uh, want him to leave though? No, if he's no, not no. On I, mean, team, I want him to stay in MLS. But where it would be somewhere I could enjoy it even more. Miami, Atlanta, is, is it, is it, Miami yeah, Atlanta. or Atlanta? Or really Atlanta has to. Be, has to be Atlanta. Yeah, it's got to be Atlanta. But I feel like Atlanta's smart enough. Uh, but Miami's dumb enough. Yeah, it could be Miami. But Miami, I mean, we, it's not like we have internal hatred for Miami. Listen, he'll I be, know, but, he'll be but imagine Calvo and Damian lo- Lowe as the center back pairing at Miami. Oh, with DeAndre Yedlin as a right back? Uh-huh. This is the Rodrigo Derby. You're right, just you're, right, to you're, go. right, you're right, you're right. You know what? That, I totally forgot Yedlin was playing in the MLS. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I, I totally forgot. For a second, my timeline was like not filled with Yedlin, Yedlin people yelling at me. And so I was like, oh. Maybe he's still playing somewhere out in someone's backyard, you know. But uh, apparently, he, he's he, he is an Inter Miami. He is. He's playing I'm in sure Fort Lauderdale. Another bad or good or weird. I don't know what this is, but uh, um, Everton <laughs> are squarely in the relegation zone after an absolute spanking in the the Merseyside Derby. Um, I I had other things to do, so I could not watch all of this game at Blackheart. But I showed up for a little while, and when I saw that it was. Um, 87% percent, uh, possession for <laughs> Liverpool. I was actually, I was like, oh my God, this game is awesome. Nil, nil, 87% possession. I believe at some point, 
Um, Liverpool had completed 420 passes and Everton had completed 69 passes. I, I believe that happened yeah. right before that first half. And um, it's just a pure joy because it it's like reading a French novel. It's, it is just pure nihilism and just self-loathing. And, um, uh, and then... Everton had to muck it up and actually lose. Uh, Richarlison, just the whole the whole match, just it, just performance art levels of shithousery the entire game, and it was delightful. But this, this just won. this just proves that oil blood money does does work, right? Because Newcastle is in the top ten. <laughs> we weren't talking yeah. about Newcastle. Yeah. I don't yeah. know if you knew yeah. that. No, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Everton. Doesn't matter. We don't talk about Everton really. So Everton Everton is owned primarily by a Russian tycoon who has his money uh frozen. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Okay. All right. Just all anyway. right. Just just uh, the weird is that uh, so New York Red Bulls beat Orlando City three nothing uh this weekend. But uh, not content with embarrassing Orlando on the pitch, Red Bulls tweeted a video. And who who wants to who wants to describe this video? Corey or, or Mark? No, you're going to do Mark. This? Oh, it's so good! It's like a zoomed in picture of I think is that an Orlando, someone's it's I don't a, even know it's which an coach Orlando it was. fan. Yeah, in the background. Yeah. But uh, behind whoever's head coach it was, there's an Orlando fan, and he's just like slow picking his nose, pulls something out, looks at it, and then just like does like a lick and then. Yep, puts it mm, in. One of those off of it, and it, it's just oh, it's, it's one of those. Uh, it's one of those when you're watching because like it's blurred out in the background because you know it's like good broadcast level depth of field on that lens, and then it was like just this blurry thing, but it was enough where you can tell like didn't really get in there in there, but it was like enough of a hanger like right around the edge, and then you can definitely tell it was one that was like lodged under the fingernail for like how he like mm-hmm. like bottom lip Billy Bob Thornton sling blade style like. Just mm-hmm, French fried potatoes, and then just like, ugh, got a little salty treat I, in stoppage time. I, I didn't know there was booger etiquette. It's oh, how I'm, to eat it. I'm just, so. I, I'm trying to paint a picture for our. Um, this is an, uh, an audio medium. Yeah, they they can't see our hand gestures and our like just lopping of our fingers as we're trying to describe this. So you know, yeah. we're just trying to paint a you know picture of the made it this far. Effort. Uh, we need to send that photo to Footy Scran, the uh, the, 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 Twitter account, the Twitter account that um, that rates food in uh, in stadiums. I was actually looking for the tweet so I could do this. I'll do it after the podcast. In fact, um, yeah. So congratulations to uh, New York Red Bulls for absolutely owning that guy and embarrassing him in front of the world. Um, the other weird is speaking of embarrassments, Peter Vermees. Uh, he, I don't even know who SKC were playing this weekend, but um, Peter Vermees was gesticulating and then kind of uh, got upset and kind of did one of those like swing your arms and so just go ahead and swing your whole body, and then he just fell to the ground. It was great. It was beautiful. They were playing Columbus. It was nil nil. It was a terrible game. I don't. Yeah, that's it. That's the uh, oh, the good, the bad, the weird, and then we do the. Uh, we've got a little uh, snippet that we we put aside in our notes for Minnesota Aurora. That's because we are releasing this on Tuesday, the twenty sixth. You know what happens thirty days from now? One month exactly. That's right. 
It's the first game ever for Minnesota Aurora. So get your tickets. Um, you don't have to have season tickets. It's like a, a short season, and uh, I want you there for all of them. But um, at least be at that game. It's the it's a Thursday before Memorial Day weekend. It's going to be baller. It's going to be, uh, well, we have a lot of work to do before then, but it's going to be pretty great. And then players show up literally in... I believe the first training day is the ninth, so that is two weeks from can, t- when we're recording right now. Can we go watch training? Uh, no, that there will allowed? be an open house. Uh, we'll okay. do an announcement of the open house. I believe um, May fifteenth. We'll do the full announcement at some point, but um, put that in your calendar, and that'll be kind of a, a time to go out to see TCO Stadium and kind of people can plan their routes and stuff like that. Um, yeah, man, it's like it's very exciting. And um, I moved us, we started moving into our new office space, which is very cool. Mm-hmm. They're very different from my existing bar adventure of having no the office. Basement. Well, you, I don't know if you guys have seen my office in the basement of that bar, but those who have um, know it's a shitty office. So that's why I work from home mostly. Uh, but having an office space, we're right downtown St. Paul, right across from the Union Depot. It's very cool. That's cool. And uh, and so yeah, I'm I'm very excited. So, so you're gonna plan lunch dates with Corey then? I am gonna plan lunch dates with Corey. We've already done it. There's a um, a new coffee shop that's gonna be a restaurant called uh, Lost Fox that's opening up down there. It used to be called the Bedlam Theater, and then it was called something else. And um, I definitely, oh, yeah. when the realtor was showing me around, I was like, um, I actually uh, I actually opened for the uh, the Dap Kings in this space, and um, Kevin from Suntide Realty. Uh, he, I'm not sure if he knows who the Dap Kings are. I'm just going to say that. So. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, he looked at me, so he, he nodded his head uh, appropriately. Um, anyway, let's take a break. We will come back, and it's Minnesota United time. Back on the 55-1 podcast. Here we go. It's Minnesota United time. We got a little bit of news, bad news first. This is Hassani Dotson is out for the 2022 season. He tore his right ACL during training last Friday. Um, absolute bummer for the dude. Uh, this was definitely a season we wanted. Well, the last few seasons we've wanted to see him really break out, wanted to see him get um, time to go. And, and now with Ariaga really succeeding, Rosales is looking good. Um, trap is not looking good, but like, what's where? Where would he? Yeah, it's it's really rough for him. Um, I don't know what what the outlook for him is. I don't know how how long his contract goes for. He just signed a new one, I believe. But it's like a, I think it was a four year deal. Three yeah, or four year deal is so not insignificant. Yeah, it, that's rough for for any player. Um, hope you get well soon, Hassani. I, mean, I know he, I know you listen to this podcast a lot. So um, <laughs> the uh, the the only the only good thing, if you're going to put any silver lining on this, is I know that um, through various social medias that um, his fiance, yeah, and and newborn are moving to Minnesota in the summer. So it's like he's getting surgery. What like this week? And so it's like. It's Great. just, it's just like of, a nice paternity of, leave. Yeah, you know. It's like when I, I got mean, when my kids were born, I was on a, a, a fellowship and I was making um, I was making really good money. Uh, I made eighteen thousand dollars on that fellowship, and so that was my paternity leave. I was supposed to down. be working on my. I did work on my dissertation, um, but 
Um, I also just basically survived for a year. Um, good news. This is good. Chase Gasper is back with the team. He uh, he came in at the end of the forward Madison game and received a yellow card this, after his first two minutes on the pitch. He then uh, played with the Minnesota United 2 uh, game uh, in their 4-0 win over St. Louis 2. Um, I didn't watch any of that game. Did you guys catch any of it? Chase was bodying people, like literally, like, I think they they never came down his side on the wing. Yeah. They always came down the other side. I didn't notice that the first time, but that that absolutely tracks. Yeah, he like I'm I'm like by bodying, I mean like bully, just like, you know, Chase jumps over somebody and like takes the whole person down and doesn't get a Who was the other fullback for us? Was it Paddleford? Yeah. No, uh, no. I think Kipping Gucci was center back. I think Kipping Gucci was yeah. the right back because uh Paddleford uh-huh. and um uh, Ramos, um, yeah, we're center backs. Center backs. I'm, I'm pretty yeah. sure that um, uh, Justin McMaster was looking pretty good to the point where he's got was it call four, up four goals in five games and probably going to get called up to the first team and yeah, um, I hope so. He didn't know. look that great. He did score in the the game I saw, but didn't look that great throughout. Um, Aziel Jackson, man, like that's the thing right there. Like I like the he need he, he's raw. But he's fun and he's got like these flashes of really incredible vision and skills. And it's like, you know, another, you know, come up for the Open Cup, maybe a couple of first team matches, but stay there and just, yeah, absolutely just slay. And then I believe it's Aziel, by the way. Aziel? Yeah, that's yeah. how they pronounce it. In the, um, cool. Let's do, Aziel. I want to talk about him because I want to talk about this Madison game real quick. Um, but before that, uh, we've got a little watch, which is right back watch, uh, which is only to say that we don't have met near um, for a little while. O'Neill Fisher um, played against Chicago. We can talk about that. But um, the transfer window closes on May 4th. And so the question is, are we going to um, bring in someone uh, before, you know, before that happens? Um, what do you guys think the likelihood of, of that actually happening is? I don't see it happening, but it also seems like a very good time to where, I mean, if I, I, I know that like someplace like Atlanta is in need of a starting MLS caliber goalkeeper, and it might be a good time to finally pull the, the Miller switch and get some gam and use that to fill the void that is our Right, fullback. I, I don't know that we actually need Gam at this point. The, that we could just do that separately. Um, may, but that that is a good point. Of of if we need some resources, we could use that to get resources. But likely yeah. this this right back. If we find one, it, if we can find a Kamar Lawrence deal like that, uh, that would be amazing. That's a, well, that's the whole question. It's like I haven't even looked at um, like who's available. Well, we didn't realize. Well, I don't follow places like Toronto closely enough to realize that someone like Kamar Lawrence is available. Right. So, right, right. so I don't know if I could look at random names on lists, and uh, I'm just too busy to do that. I just yeah barely have enough time to talk I shit mean, on this podcast. So is it is it is it worth you know unloading Tyler Miller now? Like yeah, maybe. Um. Probably, I mean, but you know, who would we, 
you know, who do we bring in uh, for Open Cup? You know, we're not going to give you, it to Fred right now. Yeah, um, you still need Dick's, you still would need to get another veteran goalkeeper who you can yeah, trust. And so, exactly to me, it just makes no sense. Um, yeah, I but agree. Let's let's talk about this Madison game, Mark. You were in attendance at this Madison game, so why don't you lead us through this two uh, 0 victory over Forward Madison, who um, did not look very good. Let's be honest. Yeah, no, Ford Madison. I mean, they're not a very good team. They're just not like it was. Um, the everything outside of the match was a ton of fun. The whole bus trip and everything, uh, and hanging out and all that. Uh, but the actual match, like it was, the stadium experience is awesome, and but the actual my match, like it was not the best. Weather, it was pretty miserable. Like I was glad that I brought all of my rain gear and I was still pretty wet. And uh I couldn't imagine can't imagine how the players were doing. Like it was like, you know, cold, rainy, and like 15, 20 mile per hour winds the whole match. Um and aside from like a couple set pieces, which they never like Ford Madison never really did anything with, like it always just kind of looked like Ford like that Madison was just parking the bus and kind of going through the motions and just trying to like hold on as long as possible to a nil-nil draw, maybe to get a counter goal somewhere. And there, I mean, they were actually pretty successful in it. Like they didn't, they, they bunkered pretty well. Um, both of Minnesota's goals came from corner kicks. Um, a really nice header, you know, in the 51st minute from uh, Unu and then another one in the 83rd minute from Kalman. And yeah, it was kind of just that. It was just a dominant performance pretty much by Minnesota. And yeah. Then we went home. Matt Glazer is the head coach now for Forward Madison. He replaced Carl Craig. I'm still bitter about this. Uh, but the thing to know is that Matt Glazer was the goalkeeper for Fort Lauderdale Strikers when Carl Craig's NSC Minnesota Stars, including Neil Lavity, who is now an assistant coach underneath Matt Glazer, beat Matt Glazer's Fort Lauderdale Strikers for to win the cup that we filled with uh, Surly and drank it all up. Um, anyway, so take that Matt Glazer. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of secretly wanted forward Madison to go on and on this run, but, um, they're, uh, the team that they've put together is, is, um, it's struggling. And, uh, I, I kind of wish they would have brought in Miguel Ibarra cause he went over to Charlotte independence and, uh, surely they had enough money to bring in Miguel, but, um, our next match in this Open Cup is May 11th. We are going to be playing the Colorado Rapids, uh, for whom they cannot have Jossi Zardes play. They just uh, they just brought him in, but he's cup tied because Columbus Crew got beaten by Detroit City. Uh, there were a, a couple really great uh, results by these young teams, including yeah. the Northern Colorado Hailstorm, who played their first match ever two weeks ago and they beat rsl which is just it's just baller. amazing so yeah and then they get to play union omaha who you know beat chicago and oh that match was so much fun to watch that was yeah it was a and omaha was so are, are a pretty decent team too so yeah um that'll that'll be fun i i kind of wanted um Union Omaha to come here. I thought it'd be fun to, to meet some of their fans and, and see how that went. Still but can happen. Still can. 
Um, hey, man. Oh, in New Mexico, I think, got kicked out. I was hoping they'd keep running yeah, so lost, that they could yeah. come back. Uh, let's talk about this weekend, though. 3 nothing against the Chicago Fire. Um, the team we had lined up was pretty predictable, right? Um, we had uh, O'Neill Fisher was in at right back for um, where Hassani has been playing in Metonier's absence. Everything else basically looked like the the Heath lineup, the four two three one that that we're used to. Let's talk briefly about the first half because there were some moments here, but it wasn't like the last time where um or like Austin where it was just dire. It, there wasn't a lot that happened here, but I would say it's it's fair to say that Minnesota at least had the upper hand, right? Am I being realistic? No, we had possession. Yeah. We had lots of possession in the first half. Um, it was still a little bit disorganized in a sense, but um, but overall, like we were holding on to the ball longer. It wasn't like you know one, two, three passes and we get dispossessed. One, two, three passes, the other team gets dispossessed, going back and forth type of thing. We were we were dominant the first half in that sense. We just weren't able to uh, again put put things away. But the real story is that. In the 62nd minute, we brought uh, Fragapane and Amaria off. We brought in Bongi and Abu Dinladi. And the the game changed, right? At that point, we were nil-nil. And then three minutes or um, 30 minutes later, we've won three to nothing. Um, we, I want to walk through each of these goals now. Actually, let's just do this now. Um because I think each one kind of tells us about what happened in the second half. In the seventy-second minute, um, oh, we we switched. All right, let's let's talk first about how this formation changed. Basically, this is the the same thing that happened in this match is the same thing that happened uh, against Colorado, um, almost to the minute, um, maybe a little bit earlier than than against Colorado, but effectively by, I forget who subbed in for who, but basically Fragapane and Amaria came out. Robin Lud went up to the false nine striker role, whatever you want to call it. Abu Dunladi came in in right wing and Bongi came in on the left. But that's not exactly how it functioned. It almost functioned like um, with the ball on offense, a 4-4-2 where Dunladi and Lud were playing off of each other or Dunladi was playing as like, a secondary striker um, slightly off to the right. And then it was just um, Trap Ariaga, Reynoso, and Bongi just cluttering up the midfield. And then, but in defense, it was more of a 4 5 1 where Robin Lud or Donlotti was, was up top. And I mean, you know, that's the thing that Rodrigo's been harping on for the last, you know, year and a half. Uh, like a four four two could be our our plan B, and it's been working. That's where we've sco- scored most of our goals. Um, it worked, and I know that we'll probably talk about why it worked and if it'll work as a starting lineup. But I mean, it was really effective, and it's you know whatever the numbers are, wherever Reynoso was actually playing. If you wanted to say it was more of a like a four-two-four, like it doesn't matter. It's just they threw bodies forward, and they had Robin Lud as a as a false as a false nine with Abu Dunladi as kind of that um, speedy striker that was playing off of him, and it worked yeah. really, really, really well. So in the seventy-second minute, then um, uh, Lungwane 
who, oh man, guys, like Bungokule Holungwane is like, it's tough, but if you're a professional commentator, you can get that. Or you can just say Bongi, um, but like Holungwane, you can also, Holungwane is an easy one. Yeah. But um, if you're a professional commentator, butchering that on national TV is, is sucks. We'll leave, we'll leave um, it at that. So uh, Lungwane causes Olmsburg, Wyatt Olmsburg, former Minnesota United uh, legend, Alex Schieferdecker dreams about this guy all the time. He's a understudy. Basically, um, Bongi pressures Olmsburg and he kind of gets a foot on the ball and then it... it, it um, Lungwane then gets it to Trap, who sends it back to Bongi. A nice give and go. Bongi just goes straight toward three defenders who just all close in on him because, like, there's a guy with a bomb, which is Bongi. He always has it. It's like he is speed, right? He's like, he cannot go slower than a certain amount or he'll explode. So all three of those guys go in on him. And then all he has to do is just send it to the ball to, to Reynoso. They forget that, like, Reynoso's there, who, you know, Reynoso is not the coolest finisher, but this was a pretty great finish for one nothing, and um, it was a great, it was a great goal that Bongi created. I mean, damn that dude. Um, uh, yeah, again, I got I, I was up at the top of the Wonderwall section this time because I brought the kids, and um, it's a great view up there. I don't know if you guys have watched a game from up there, um, but I definitely was around a new group of people who were also. Just weirded out about how much I love Bongi. Um, <laughs> then, you know, we're one nothing up, and then uh, there's a second yellow given to Federico Navarro. Um, I don't know if he actually touches Robin Lud, but it is a, like, crazy tackle. It doesn't matter. That he, if you're on a, set, uh, a yellow card and you go in on that slide, then yep, you kind exactly. of deserve it. But, no, yeah. and also, it's really interesting, too, because, like, it was... Will Trapp's yellow card that actually set this one up because he went in and like in the first half and made a tackle like where he just kind of clipped the heel and got a yellow card for something kind of similar where they barely touched him, whatever. Mm. And it was just deemed a scoring opportunity, so it's a yellow. And like because of the consistency, that's why he got that yellow card, which is I mean way to go, to Will. But well, well, John, I mean if you're gonna get your fifth yellow in the first half in the first how many Gantt matches, yep. at least this one worked out. So Chicago go down to 10 men, and then the 84th minute, um, it's a corner kick, simple, and uh, Reynoso takes it, and Ariaga didn't even have to hit it, didn't even have to jump. He just stayed there and just put it in the, the back post. Um, it, it was kind of embarrassingly easy for a corner kick. Um, but It was also really nice because I think, was it Baki Debasi who... Uh, Almost looked. I forget if it was him or someone else, but like it almost came in like almost did like a pick on the guy who was actually covering Curvin and like just kind of completely set him up for like the whole like uh, corner kick looked like something straight from the training grounds. It just like you know if we're gonna have Ray put it in the exact perfect spot and we're gonna do this and it all kind of actually happened. It's Bakai or Balky. Pick one. Um, <laughs> can can like could've... perfect strangers Balky? Yeah. 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 Yep. Cousin Larry. Cousin Larry. <laughs> can can one of you that were... is going to be a Meepos. Oh. Um, actually, can, can he, should, you... he should, um, with, with Kamar Lawrence, Kamar Lawrence should be Cousin Larry in this. And then Bakai and... and <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> it's, Kamar anyway. it's a reboot on Hulu. Yeah. 
Sorry, Rodrigo. Do you want to say something? No, I just wanted. I just wanted to know if you guys can comment on the uh, on the chanting that was going on with uh, Slonina, the seventeen-year-old goalkeeper that Chicago. What was the chanting? What did I miss? Um, he's seventeen, so I think oh, oh. chanting, chanting. Um, you're not old enough to drink at him throughout the whole time. Oh so. well, I mean, that's it was a great. fact. Like, he's not. He's not. Yeah. It's illegal. No, it was. It was great because, like, I like where our seats are. We're like, we're kind of on like the brew hall side. So, like, hearing like the not like the all the giant chants, like the smaller like player specific ones. I don't hear those much over where we are. But man, when I uh, rewatched the match, like it was very loud, and it was. I, I literally just like started laughing while I was watching it. The thing about like being able to to drink beer, not being able to drink beer. Apparently, it was a Polish joke. Oh yeah, Chicago fans were bum, 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 bummed out about it. Really? Uh, I don't know. The Chicago fans. I don't know. They're I mean, bummed out about it. They make a everything. joke about that terrible liquor that's famous in Chicago that tastes awful. Don't say I don't its even name. Remember what don't, it's called. don't. It's like Beetlejuice. Eighty-eighth yeah. minute. Um, then this was um, Robin Lud just doing. Wyatt Olmsberg, dirty, just mean, being really mean. Um, so he gets a give and go pass from uh, Bongi. Um, Lud then kind of uh, goes up to, he, he breaks through Olmsberg and another defender, I forget the other guy, and um, just slots it away, like cool as you like, far post. This started from an Ariaga amazing pass. Because um, it basically, I, I think O'Neill Fisher gets the ball, sends it to Ariaga. It's in our like final third, and Ariaga sends this um, long cross pass um, across the field, and uh, and Lud chases it, gets it to Bongi. It was really good. Um, I mean, it's like a that like that pass. We we saw him do that a little bit earlier in the season, and we're like, if he can keep doing that at the right opportune moment. I mean, that was a 60-yard dime. No, and one thing that was awesome about this game is I like actually looked up like all the, like some of the passing stats. And for long passes, like uh the you know, the attempts the of for the team, like Ray had 13 attempts, Ariaga had 14, and everyone else is like, I mean, Will Trap had like 10, but Ariaga, his long attempts, he was 11 for 14. Like, he was almost 80% wow. on his long ball attempts. Like, yeah. and, and the rest of his passing, like his short, his medium attempts were 100% and his short attempts were 82%. Like he is yeah. an amazing passer. If we're on the topic of Ariaga, in the last two games, he's been playing more of like the, the stay-at-home six where he collects the ball from the center backs and then tries to distribute while while... Trap is up a little further up with the midfielder. And I think that that does make a difference mm-hmm. because then we have another passer with Trap that can that can quickly distribute the ball again. And I, I think that's important in that sense. I also, the last two games, like O'Neill's Fisher's first touch is game balls amazing. Like I swear, like mm. he gets a long ball or a, or a shift a switch across the ball, he touches it and it literally falls wide on his foot. It's like it's amazing to be able to watch someone do that live. Like when the ball is coming at you at like 50, 50 miles an hour, and you're like, holy cow, how you can do that. So like that helps. The one thing, if we can go back to this 442 thing and talk about a little bit about how it, it works, is that when when we don't have fullbacks that are that are 
in well connection with the midfielder to do that overlapping run and have that connection or that or that familiarity with with that we we kind of we kind of take away that deep penetration to the attacking third into the box um and um it just it, it becomes more like redundant so like a fragapane becomes stuck in an island in a sense and it, he becomes less of effective but when we go with a 442 in a sense and we bring in a um a Danladi and Danladi only has to has to really play defense on a quarter of the field and the rest of our midfield kind of drops and then our defenders don't really have to make those deep runs it really makes it makes it more opportune for us to be able to make those overlapping runs and be able to get in deep and um, be able to meet, create that havoc that, we, that we're so used to and, and need. And I think Bonky and Danladi in that type of formation, 4-4-2 when we're attacking and pressing and chasing, right? And a 4-5-1 where, where Danladi just talks in and plugs up the midfield also gives a time for Ray to be able to move along back and forth and just try to figure out who to, who to pinpoint at all. Corey made a, a rude gesture right at the beginning. Oh, of, I know. I saw it. Of, I your, saw it. of your deep <laughs> penetration talk. Oh, yes. It, I, I did that on purpose, by I the way. It was just recovered. one of those things. I just, I'm sorry. No, it's it's one of those things, you know. Um, you know. I, I, hope, I hope you washed your arm, so, Corey, after that. <laughs> Milk Fingers always washes his arms. <laughs> Oh my God. All right. So here's here's my basic question. Um, we, in the last couple of games, the uh, last few games now, have switched to this formation that works, right? We've got Robin Lud up top. I'm not going to like uh, brag or, um, or toot my own horn um, and say that um, I have been saying since last year that we need to stop pretending that Robin Lud is anything other than our best striker. But I will, because I've been saying that for over a year. Um, I understand why they wanted to pursue striker options, Luis Amaria, and etc. Um, but we have been prolific with Robin Lude up top, and without him up top, we're struggling. So w- let me just ask the dumb question, which is, why don't we start with Robin Lude up top, and um, we and like. Whether it's Abu on the right, maybe it's Bongi on the right. Um, I thought Abu was actually pretty good in this game. Uh, I, I didn't think he was good previously. This game, in that game, he scored in. But this this game, I thought he did a lot. Um, Fragapane was not very good. Bongi was good. So why don't we just start with this? Is there any reason to not start with this lineup? Yeah, I, I'm not convinced how did I say this in the uh the 551 slack um the the 4231 isn't conservative but it's not uh productive in terms of goal scoring but it's we're not going to give up goals necessarily because we're still like defensively stout but we just may not as be we may not be as dynamic but it's a way for us to figure out the other team. And maybe that's what this is now with that formation, with Amaria being more of that hold-up striker kind of role where it, it is a known quantity and it's not going to make us lose, 
But I'm not convinced yet that the 4-4-2, whatever you want to call it, Robin Lud up top is the right way to start because I don't know that we can sustain that for more than 20 minutes, 30 minutes. And I think we need more data points on it, but I think that's the reason that it is successful is because you're bringing on Bongi and Don Lottie and causing a little bit more chaos and then throwing Robin Lud up top. No, I totally agree. And also, I mean, the thing to remember for this match too is that we were up a man and honestly, like the last 10 minutes of this match, Holmesburg just looked gassed. Like they were running him rap, like just running him into the ground. And it was, so I, I just don't know if it works if you're not running against tired legs in the defense either. You, you kind of just need that spark off the bench to bring the energy. And I don't, but knowing how Minnesota works, also like Robin Lude is not a machine. Like, I don't know if he can even keep up that pace he is for machine. 90 minutes. Like he can get in there and do it when, like for the last 30, but like, I mean, I know his like his beep test and all that are like amazing. Like, I don't know if he can actually sustain that for ninety minutes. So, all right. At the same time, if I if I take what you guys are saying, which is that part of this uh, formation change works because it's now adding chaos into when people are tired. Um, you cannot rely on a, a game plan that is let's just hold out for a little bit and then make shit go crazy at the end of the game, right? Because because you're not always that craziness is not always going to suddenly then let the floodgates open, um, and and as, but at the same time I don't think I while I have also said that Bongi is part just like Kool Aid Man like breaking through walls, um, I, I think that there is a legit change there with both Bongi out there and Abu. Or, or just however we want to work with with it, but mainly like Robin Lud up top, that is actually legitimately good at moving defenses. And why not try that? I, I guess it's the other plan is not working. And it's only working enough because the defense is doing its part. And I, like, I, I don't see how you can... Bonky had two assists in this game. He was lights out. Robin Lud was fantastic. And also, Reynoso... You know, maybe he's just back alive because his family is now in town, and that's a legit reason to to be suddenly rejuvenated. But it, it just it seems to me like you have to you you have to try this. You can't. It's like Dane, right? Dane came in and he was great. You have to let him go. You got to do this. You you have to reward these team these players who are really dynamic out there. Right, but I mean, Dane's a keeper though. That's a whole different position. I I, I think. I think I think I understand what you're trying to say, but I don't. I, I totally disagree. I think you don't. You, if you start with what you're seeing right now, if that doesn't work, what's your backup plan? Go to the four-two-three-one, knowing that's not going to work. That's well, not working. That's more of a defensive thing. The the reason that this is working, in a sense, for now, is that we have established starting formation with personnel because that's what this personnel directs us to do. The four-two-three-one works well in an aspect of having Reynoso in the middle and, and doing what he does. Does does it does it give us results? Well, the first three games gave us results that we weren't expecting in a sense, right? Maybe we got lucky. 
maybe we didn't, but that's part of soccer. But my, my question has always been is like, we've always had a plan A, right? Which has eventually turned to this 4-2-3-1. We've never really had a reliable plan B, right? And we seem to be getting to that idea to having a plan B when you have 60 minutes, you're 60 minutes in, you are able to bring in two players that can switch the formation, but could also pressure and chase and create opportunities. And I think if that is working, then that's kind of what you stick with, right? And then, and it, it worked for RSL in the playoffs. They brought in uh, Justin uh, Miram halfway through like 60 minutes to go, and they were able to be able to get that spark in the offense to be able to get past the first and maybe a little bit of the soccer. Bongi has also started in a couple of our games, at least one game. One and he game. wasn't that productive. And um, so I think Bongi needs to be a is a chess piece that you put in at at, at, at a good situation, expecting results. We also have to take a last Frank two goals. Hold on. On the other hand, Fragapane has been but all season. He's he's not been good at all. So, right, but he's also not had someone like you said, like a metaneer that connects with him, or someone else, or a chase that is able to Kamar give Lawrence them the behind him. But Kamar Lawrence doesn't play with him long enough to be able to communicate. We all remember when Chase was being yelled at by, by Fragapane for I don't know how many games, for like six, seven games before they finally started passing the ball to each other and actually communicating. I, 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 don't, do, think I don't see how you can how you can say we should start a, a player who has not had more than twenty minutes of good soccer in seven games over over Bongi. I mean that that to me is like. You have to reward players who are playing well, and Bongi is really good out there. And he like had a fantastic game last. But game. you are—you giving him twenty to thirty minutes per game to a, a newcomer. So right, yeah. When but, was the last time this player was getting a newcomer was getting this much playing time Fragapane. consistently? Fragapane right. came right into the team. Right, exactly. So and he did well. So he's he, but he wasn't playing full games, right? Not until probably later in the season, right? No. He came right into the team, and he was in the first first eleven. But also, I mean, that's kind of why I would not mind seeing Bongi starting on the right. Like all of a sudden, draw some of that pressure away from Frankapani, just create chaos back there, um, and then, I mean, hopefully, like the one thing that would deter me from that is that Robin Liu does a lot of defensive work when he starts on the right side, and if knowing our current right backs, like our right back situation, like if you lose that. I would be a little bit concerned about the defensive effort and the ability to shut down because I mean we are super reliant on the defense for you know two thirds of the match right now, and I would be a little bit concerned about the defensive ability to shut that down if you didn't have Robin Lude kind of working on that as well because he's one of the because like, we know that Fragapani doesn't check back like he does sometimes but like Robin Lude puts in the effort like he he's a machine and he puts in the effort on the def- on defense and then he'll do what he needs to do up on striker when in the sixth minute comes so like. But still, I would like to. I wouldn't mind seeing Bongi just seeing if he can like, basically be the Metnair without bringing in Metnair. Like, just cause chaos, take it on the right side, and maybe that opens up Fragapani on the left side a little bit more and gives him a little bit more freedom to run. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know if that if that's necessarily the way that it would work. I mean, Bongi on the left has been great the last couple of matches. Whether or not he starts, like, I'd like to see it, but. Like Fragapane, like it's a known quantity what we're gonna get with that four two three one, and it is a little bit more conservative, a little bit more possession based, which 
sounds ridiculous from our team, but the the thing that the thing that Mark you brought up and Rodrigo you alluded to earlier was in this four five one four four two plan B, we are cluttering up the midfield and not allowing our the spaces in behind our fullbacks to be exposed when they are bombing forward because we have four midfield or five midfielders in there. And I think that's going to be the interesting thing to see with how quickly Chase comes back and if and when anything happens with a right-back replacement for Metinair, depending on his recovery. If that is looking like it's going to be dragged on more and more and more, I could see us moving more to this 4-4-2, 4-5-1 on a more regular basis because it does give our fullbacks more protection. Especially because... We have LAFC coming up away this weekend, so let's move to this little preview here. It's 9 p.m. on Fox Sports 1. Blackheart will have this game on, and uh, and we can party, because um, everyone wants to party on a Sunday night at 9 p.m. Um, we're going to lose Will Trap in this game, because he got his fifth yellow card, and so we're going to have the, um, the double Honduran midfield of Ariaga and Rosales, I assume. And Part of me thinks like this is the game to start that four five one, that four four two, that you know, start Abu Dinladi and Robin Lud, and um, maybe not Bongi, uh, but I I really would like to see it. Maybe a home game would be safer, um, where a game where you you feel like all right, we can give him a go. To me, if a guy's playing well, you play him. Uh, Amaria has been not very good. Um, as much as I want him to do be good because he owes me goals personally. Um, so I imagine he'll start again this week and, uh, and who, who knows how that'll work, but um, let's take a break and we will take a few questions and then we'll uh, go to sleep. Yeah. They just don't make good music anymore like that. Or good TV. Good TV. Back on the 55.1 podcast, we got some questions here. David Goss, this is not a question, but he says, what's the dream crunch addition to ceviche? Happy birthday to the goat as well. this This is to me? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh man! I, I I talked to you about this, Wes. Uh-huh. Like there's this like corn that that it's well known in the Andes called cancha. It's very crunchy but salty and dry. That goes really well with soups and with ceviche. Mm-hmm. So if you go to your local Peruvian store and you ask for cancha, and I think in the back sometimes, or you just look at YouTube how to toast them. You toast them really well and you throw that into that. It's good bar food too. They have it at some bars in Peru, but overall, like that, that would be my go-to just because that's what I've I've known and and, uh, and my palate really tastes it. But 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 thanks, David Gas. Can 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 Gringos put Fritos in instead? Fritos, yeah, because they're Gringos. Yeah, I um, mean they're Gringos, so they can put Fritos on anything, right? Matt from our Patreon Slack says, "What crazy activist group is going to end up rushing Allianz Field in the playoffs to protest? Either McGuire or Garber or Glenn Taylor is an owner of this team, and what mm-hmm. would be the asinine cause?" This uh, comes from the fact that um, the only three games 
that the Timberwolves have won in the playoffs have had protesters protesting uh, the fact that Glenn Taylor, the owner of the Timberwolves, um, uh, has some pretty inhumane, terrible practices at his ch- a chicken farm that he owns. Who knew he owns a chicken farm? Um, uh, it's good luck. So I don't know what, but anyone have an answer to that question, Mark? Oh, I do. Okay. It is going to be a butterfly activist. Oh, because back in 2009, Bill McGuire donated his $41 million butterfly collection to the University of Florida, which had 2 million dead butterflies in it. So it's going to be a butterfly activist of some sort. Butterfly, is is there controversy? Okay, I'll I'll just take that. That sounds awesome. Wait, were they they monarch butterflies? All sorts, man. No, I mean, it was. He's a big butterfly guy. Yeah, it's a big thing. Um, Our friend Super Rookie, who's uh, now in Orlando, has visited that uh, that collection and says it's wonderful. Corazon de Meloon says for his birthday, Heath lets Rodrigo bring in one Peruvian before the transfer deadline. Who's it going to be? Oh, God. That's so tough. Edson Flores has been terrible for D.C., so why don't we bring him in? Oh, from MLS? Yeah, uh, anywhere. I'm just saying anywhere. anywhere. It's one, your call. one Peruvian. It's your call. Okay. Um I would say Gianluca Lapadula because we need to have a Peruvian Italian on the roster. Perfect. Prior to the one that tried out and never made it. Andy Call says, "Where can I find more of Rodrigo's poetry?" Um, you can find it on uh, Bandcamp.com/slash/RSCSpokenWord. That's I right. released a, a new project. It's on there. People can listen to all the previous stuff that I have. Other than that, it's also available. So yeah, you can go there. Bongi for president says, as you live longer, the older you get and your wisdom flourishes with every day. Why is Bongi not starting given the thorough displays of his playmaking abilities? Is this your other alt account, uh, no, Wes? Real person. Not me. This is shovel. I think we, I think we talked about this, right? I mean, like yeah, right I now. Know, I just wanted to ask it, but you're wrong. He's just, <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. It's like. <laughs> MJ says, favorite other given name, Rodrigo. In the West, given names are typically first names. So, Okay, so um, I'm going to talk about this and be candid with you and honest as a confessional because if I don't, my wife will, will tell the story to everyone who ever asks about it. My first name is actually Fernando. My middle name is Rodrigo. Um, the reason, uh, because my dad's name is Fernando, but I didn't find out that my name was Fernando until we moved to Minnesota. And in fifth grade, you had like these little attendance chips that you had to put in a, in a box. And there was one that said Rodrigo Sanchez Chavaria, and I would put it in. And there was, oh, there was another one that said Fernando Sanchez Chavaria. I never touched that one because I didn't know that. But I always wondered who Fernando was. And then my dad got a letter in the mail three weeks into the start of the school saying that I've been as- absent for three weeks. And we had an argument that he was telling me that Fernando is my name. And I was like, no, it's not. It's Rodrigo. It's always been Rodrigo. He got so upset with me that he stomped up the stairs of the townhouse we were staying in. And he came down with my birth certificate. And in my birth certificate, it said, Fernando Rodrigo Sanchez Chavarria. There you go. Um, Hopcloud says, which prominent... 
Well, this is about Peruvian players. Uh, which non-Peruvian players are you excited about? I don't know. Which player in the world are you excited about? So what's the record number of times Rod has mentioned Peruvian players on the 55-1 podcast in one episode? Um, it's eight. I, is it eight? Yeah, it's eight. Yeah, it's eight. What it's name eight. nine Peruvian <laughs> players right now? Uh, name, okay, Edison Flores, uh, Alexander Cayens, Val Ruidias. Um, we have Yosemir Yotun. We have, uh, wait, uh, did I mention that I went to my dad's this weekend and then I saw Andy Polo playing for Le- the U and every time Andy Polo got fouled, I laughed and I pointed at the TV because Andy Polo is, uh, uh, a crap Andy. human being. We have Walter Sainz. We have Chorreno Palacios. We have Flavio Maestri. Was that seven? That's eight. I think because Andy Polo eight. counts, right? Andy Polo, I guess. Andy Polo, uh, Andy Polo does count. And Marcos Lopez. And then, of course, Yuri uh, Reina. That's 10, 11. There you go. Congratulations. That's 10. Um, mate, I'm so proud of you. Um, that's the end of the podcast. Uh, thank you, my friends. Thank you, Rodrigo, for spending your birthday with us. Um, everyone go find his Venmo account somehow. And, yeah, it's uh, uh, Rodrigo, R-O-D-R-I-G-O-S-C. That's what it is. That's it. No no dash or anything? Just Rodrigo? No, it's just Rodrigo, Rodrigo and then capital letter S and then capital letter C. Great. Rodrigo Send. Soccer Club. God. Yep. Oh, the supper club. Soccer club. Rodrigo supper club. There Soccer you go. club. Soccer club, but also supper club. Yeah. It, it, you know, depending on the. It's on just the, empanadas. And the, yeah. it was like the tamales. Oh, Wait, who can works. make empanadas? Not me. Oh, I bet you I could, I bet you I could pull off some empanadas. Great. Good podcast. Do that. All right. Thanks, everyone. <laughs> you're beautiful. You're sexy. And everyone loves you. Bye.